Welcome to the Pet Industry Podcast, connecting you with the people behind the passion, the leading experts in the pet industry. Here are your hosts, Steve Cawthron and Dr. Megan Sprinkle. I was so glad we were able to record a conversation with Dr. Renee Streeter at SuperZoo. Renee Streeter is a board-certified veterinary nutritionist leading the nutrition team at BSM Partners. She worked in general practice for years and later founded her own veterinary nutrition consulting company, which later merged with BSM Partners. Now, I love how in our conversation, Renee talks about the challenges of becoming a nutritionist and the value a nutritionist brings to the pet industry. I also loved how you threw her a really tough question, Steve. How did you like how that question went? Yeah, her story of uh, going in the winters in New York and skiing was a nice little divergence there. We got to share our, uh, we got to commiserate on our uh, snowplow experiences and going from greens to blacks and blues. I believe she managed to graduate. I think I stayed back on the greens. Yes, absolutely. You will have to listen to hear more about where that comes into play. But even right after that, she leaves with a very important piece of wisdom for the industry. So I can't wait to let you hear the conversation with Dr. Renee Streeter. Definitely stick around. Well, good morning, Dr. Renee Streeter. Today, I really was excited to talk to you a little bit about being a boarded nutritionist and why you decided to get into industry because there's a, a couple different career paths that a, a boarded nutritionist might take. But what intrigued you about working in industry? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, part of it was accidental, right? Like, the thing is, there's so few boarded veterinary nutritionists and even fewer doing industry consultations. I think there's a general, I'm going to say fear of doing industry consults because it's not what we're necessarily trained for. We're trained for clinical consultations for individual pets. So making that change into consideration of a much broader population is sometimes scary and sometimes difficult. But because I had done nutrition prior to vet school for a large a larger company I had a little bit of familiarity and so when I was initially asked to help a colleague out with their consultation I decided to try something new and that quickly exploded because there's so few like I said people willing to do it that it became a large portion of my day and my hours of work and just being able to fill a need that these companies had for really good nutrition experience. I felt good about that and I really have enjoyed it since. Nice. And how do you explain who a a boarded nutritionist is? Yeah, that's even in and of itself a little confusing. So a board-certified veterinary nutritionist has gone through vet school. They finished vet school. They went on to do a residency, which is a two- to three-year program where you only focus on nutrition and internal medicine as well, but primarily nutrition and kind of managing and preventing disease with diet. After that residency, you had to, at that time, go through case reports and submit and have accepted published research prior to sitting for a board exam. So a board of nutritionists has kind of gone through all that education and essentially 
proven <laughs> their knowledge through those various different avenues. And once they've accomplished that, they're, they're boarded in nutrition. Yeah. And you mentioned that there are not very many in industry. So why, was there anything special about BSM that kind of gave you a little bit more confidence or that Any you... confidence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, at the time when I joined BSM, they were much smaller than they are today. But I was doing industry consultation on my own. And when you're on your own, you have no one to bounce ideas off of. Of course, there's colleagues and things that are willing to help you out at times. It's not the same as having a group of people with you every day. And BSM had various other experts in the industry with knowledge that I did not have, you know, food science and engineering, how the food that I create can actually come together in a form that's usable. So to be able to learn from them as well as utilize their knowledge for our clients was very exciting to me. And it really has proven to be a great move to merge my previous consulting company with BSM partners so that I could provide clients really with that breadth of knowledge and expertise beyond really what I was trained in. Yeah, I I agree too. Being able to learn a lot of different things that, you know, you're bringing a very unique perspective to the company, but then also you kind of need that full picture to really bring a, a product to life. So it's really exciting to have this full robust team. And it seems like BSM now is, or you and BSM are collecting veterinary nutritionists. So we are growing. Uh, Anything you're excited about when you're you're kind of building out your team? Sure. Yeah. I'm excited about all of it, right? I'm excited to have more people with different knowledge than I have. Again, our team all has their little niches of expertise. And while it's great to have the camaraderie and people who have the same education as you to bounce ideas off everybody's still a little bit different and so I just you know feel so honored to have this group of people who are so intelligent but so personable and fun to work with that uh, you know I'm very I'm very proud of my group and what we've done and what we're going to do Um, but yeah so we always say what there's about a hundred vet nutritionists in the U.S. right now so BSM's got about four percent of them (laughs) we're just gonna hopefully keep on growing it's it's been really fun. Very cool. So do you have a good story or example of where you as a, a boarded nutritionist really were, was able to help a, a company? So something in industry? Oh, sure. I mean, there's lots of little times that I, I feel like, you know, we're just doing our job. But there have been times, you know, when I've looked at formulas and found things that because of my different perspective on nutrition have altered the formula right so while I'm looking I'm looking at a lens of you know what is this going to necessarily do to the broader population of dogs is it going to affect them all the same or is there perhaps a negative repercussion to the way the formula is going and so a lot of time I guess this has happened more than once you know (laughs) I'll pick on fat right the the trend is to have high protein diets it just comes with a really high fat content alongside of it and so the vet nutritionist perspective is panic right (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's so much fat (laughs) so while it's meeting all the AFCO requirements and everything sometimes you know I'll pick up on things like that the fat content for instance that are high enough to make me worried that there's a potential to actually cause pancreatitis in a, in a subpopulation of dogs. So hopefully that's a good example. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. We're, we're fun, but we're nerdy in a good way for you, for the industry. Right. Yes, and another thing about being a veterinarian and a nutritionist is that we are always doing continuing education. So you've also been able to not only be able to make amazing formulas and make these products better, but you're also doing research, correct, with BSM? Yeah, we do. There's smaller research always going on for our clients in terms of digestibility, palatability, feeding trials, but we also have prospective studies going on looking at um, some amino acids and cardiac parameters when dogs are fed different diets. And so we're really excited to be writing up that research now and hopefully submitting it very shortly um, for the peer review process. It it feels strange to ask this question because I I went through some of the same training. (laughs) So I'm curious to hear your answer. Going through all the training that we do to do, you know, go for being a boarded nutritionist that you went over, which part of that was probably some of the most challenging? The most challenging part for me was not the residency. The residency was always so exciting, right? I loved being with clients and being with the pets. I loved critical care. The hard part was the exam. Oh my gosh. That exam, I think it took years off my life studying for that exam and then taking it was just, you know, you pour so much of your heart and soul into your education for those years and it all comes down to that moment. (laughs) So for me, that was really difficult. Yeah, right before this, we were talking about all our, our colleagues who had gone through the board exam and they couldn't even put a sentence together <laughs> after that because it takes so much brain power. So Yeah, I was physically ill after that exam for sure. <laughs> and, and of course, do you have any pets? Of course I have pets, yeah. I have two dogs. I have an elderly pug she's named opal and she's black and gray at this point and she thinks she owns the universe and we (laughs) let her think that and i have a young boxer dog who's you know exact opposite full of energy just the best dog at this point just a great companion a running partner great with the family but she didn't start off that way i used to think she was the worst puppy ever i think she was the worst puppy ever (laughs) but she's amazing now i have a cat named Rosalind who were in a constant battle with overweightedness because she's pretty sure she should be a body condition score nine out of nine and then no one would listen to me if she was so that's Rosalind and I have five chickens and they they lay eggs and I sing to them every day. Do do they have names too? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Do you want to know their names? Yeah, of course. Well, let's see if I can remember <laughs> them all off the top of my head. Yes. One is Henrietta. One is Cheeseball. <laughs> one is Honey. Honey's very, she's the friendliest chicken. She has to make sure she gets pet every day. Then we have Chicklet and Arrow. Arrow had an arrow on her head when she was a chick. And so that's why she's an arrow. actual arrow or like a marking? Like a marking oh. that was the shape <laughs> of an arrow. So the kids named her Arrow. Oh, yes. Nice. Yep. You're very good at naming pets. I like those names. Huh. Are the chickens, like, actually distinguishable? Like, you can tell which is which? Yes. They're all mostly different breeds. I have three Americanas, and but they all look different. So, And the other two are different breeds. So gotcha. they're distinguishable. <laughs> now, have you done a lot of chicken nutrition before? No, I have not done a lot of chicken nutrition before. I am learning chicken nutrition and really excited about it. You know, once you know the basics of nutrition, I feel like you can learn any species well with with 
fairly quickly. Um, so I'm really enjoying, you know, learning some poultry nutrition, but I am focusing more on people who are like me, backyard poultry enthusiast mm-hmm. <laughs> who have just a few chickens that they're real excited about. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a growing area for sure. I do too. If you wrote <coughs> if you wrote the book of your life, that story, what would the title be? <laughs> Chaos in the making. <laughs> 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 yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a vet nutritionist, but I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, you know, I'm a sister, just like everyone else is. Yeah. And being a veterinary nutritionist is such a huge part of my life. It defines me, but it's not the only thing that defines me. Right. And it's certainly not even the most important thing that defines me. So I just have so much passion for all the different things that I do. And that's why it's chaos. And <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I think that's a fun part about BSM too, is that while we are all nerds in our own right on you know this aspect of the industry, we do have a lot that you know about us and we all love each other and get along and get to have a lot of fun in what we do and I'm sure having two little boys is probably a small part of that chaos that is probably the largest part of the chaos (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah they bring with them a whirlwind of chaos wherever they go but I'm excited that they have you know the same passion for life that I do if not more so I embrace it. <laughs> yeah. And it's great that I, I've heard you say before that they have a, a great relationship with each other. They, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really special. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So lucky that they get along. <laughs> <laughs> Please love each other too. I mean, uh, there's not, there's always, again, moments of chaos and little tiffs, but they're brothers and yeah, so lucky that they really, really enjoy each other. So you talked about being a nutritionist in industry. How did you first decide you loved animals enough to become a veterinarian? I don't know, honestly. (laughs) I was one of those little girls who was going to be a veterinarian from the time they were able to know what a veterinarian was, but I never lost that. And I think my parents did a really good job of letting me pursue something that they really had very little interest in altogether. (laughs) You know, I was bringing home all these different creatures and my dad would make enclosures for them and, you know, support me wanting all these creatures, a little menagerie in the backyard. I had rabbits, ducks, um, you know, cats and dogs and all the little things that you could really acquire in a, a little backyard. But through all of that care of those creatures, I really just continued to develop it and then, you know, couple it with the science and everything that just came more natural to me than a lot of other things. Really, it just grew over time and I was able to keep that passion. So you said your parents didn't have the interest. What, are, what did they do? Oh, my father is a salesman and my mother is an accounting manager. So oh. yeah, she's she's amazing with math and organization and numbers and my dad is just such a wonderful person who has knowledge and <laughs> like it seems like everything he'll amaze me what he comes up with next. I'm like, Where did you learn that? But he's just a great loving personality, wonderful parents who like I said <laughs> my dad always had creatures growing up too, but my mother they were they were food and they were not in the house and they were like why is this dog coming to me (laughs) do I have to touch it she would say 
Oh. <laughs> wow, what a difference. Yeah. That made me love pets even more. Yeah. <laughs> they grew on her. So when you when you uh, interviewed, I assume, maybe you didn't, but did, did Nate give you the interesting question? Tell him something interesting about yourself? No. Oh. I avoided oh. the interesting question because I, he was just so wowed with me that oh. he forgot to ask, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to pin you down now. Saying, and now we <laughs> Oh, no. I don't want to do the interesting question. So the, for those who don't know, the interesting question is always the defining moment for Nate Thomas' interview. He wants you to tell us something interesting in 10 minutes not in within 10 minutes for 10 minutes so am i supposed to answer this for 10 minutes no you don't no, have to do that, hard. that I, hard. Hard. I don't have to <laughs> yeah. do that tell us something interesting renee streeter you'd be surprised too because i forgot about when he gave me that i forgot about my podcast that i'd already started i forgot about having raised a wolf you know and i was like until he's like what and then at dinner i'm telling this stuff he's like I asked you what's interesting. Why don't you throw those out there? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things. There's so many interesting things, but I'm like, what? Do, what do our listeners want to <laughs> want to hear about? Okay, let's talk about fun things. Let's talk about skiing. Ooh. Yeah. So I am not a skier, really, but I hate and I hate winter. Hate winter, and I live in New York. Are we, we best friends? We just became yeah, best friends. Yeah, we are best friends. Except for New York. I know. Well, <laughs> I mean. I wouldn't live in New York, except that my husband insists on living in New York. It is cold, and I hate it so much, but I hate it less if I'm doing something. <laughs> and so I picked up skiing in college, and nobody really taught me to ski. I didn't have a ski lesson. It was like, here's these... Oh, the first. let's talk about the first time I skied. The first time I skied was actually in high school. And I just rented a pair of skis and you go up the ski lift and you think you're just going to go down the hill and I can do anything and this isn't hard. Well, I didn't know how to turn and there was a turn and mm. off the side of the turn was like one of those snow fences, you know, the orange snow fences and then a drop off like that was it. And I couldn't turn and I slid under the snow <gasps> fence and then I was hanging from this drop off by a ski, which apparently I thought was hysterical. So apparently my stress response is to start laughing. So you cannot pull yourself up while you're laughing hysterical. No. <laughs> so I'm hanging by the ski about to plummet to my doom. And there's, you know, and, and I'm just laughing. I don't know why I thought it was hysterical that I was in this situation and my friends are trying to pull me up but now they're laughing because they're I'm laughing, laughing and none of it's really funny so that was the first time I skied and I just but I kept going <laughs> and I figured out how to turn apparently so fast forward to college and I started skiing a little bit more again still no lessons just kind of falling down the mountain and then then after college before vet school um my now husband was living in Vermont, so I would go up and be able to ski some nicer mountains. So I started to get more and more brave. And then, then we had kids, and I don't know how many of you have skied with children, but it's basically an exercise in holding up this small person on tiny sticks on their feet. By the way, who thought of skiing? Like, who thought this was a good idea? It had to be... <laughs> Slide down the hill It had to be a young boy, right? Here, let's stick these wooden things on our shoes and fly down a hill. Um, it seems completely ridiculous to me. but So, yeah, you're holding up this child, going down the hill, 
I still don't know how to ski, really, right? Like I've taught myself and we're just gonna go down this hill with the person you love most in between your legs. <laughs> and so we, we taught the kids to go down. Um, and then we finally, last year, were able to get into a ski club and the kids got actual lessons. So I could learn to ski without holding somebody for the past 10 years. Guys, this is so cool. You know, you can like go fast. And <laughs> sure can. <laughs> and and uh, it's been such a great experience to kind of, you know, teach myself this sport that I'm sure I could have learned much better from somebody else, but really just enjoy getting outside even in the winter. And then to, to piggyback off of that, do you guys know snowmobile at all? I've no. never been on no. one, but I've always so wanted to. So you will hate winter less if you do these things, but you can... <laughs> So my husband got me a snowmobile because he always loved to snowmobile. Oh, and wow. I thought, I'm just going to freeze and be miserable. You can go even faster on a <laughs> snowmobile. Yeah. These are so much fun. So, And it's like being in a snow globe on the trail with the snow-covered trees over you. Uh -huh. And so I've just, you know, I, I guess it's not interesting from a learning perspective, but interesting from a perspective perspective. <laughs> like it really changed how... I view my environment by just putting myself into situations that were new and different and hysterically uncomfortable. But I, I even though I hated something before, I, I was able to change it into something that, you know, was was pretty fun. Yeah. I went skiing for the first time when I was fourteen and I did the snow the little you know, like one day or class or it's not even a whole day. It's like a half a day maybe. And they teach you to snow plow, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, pointing your skis together when you come down a hill to slow down. We call yeah. it pizza -ing. Pizza. Yeah. If, you, pizza. if you're on a relatively flat bunny slope, that works to slow down. If you're on a blue mm -hmm. or anything higher, it creates a, you, it turns you into a bullet <laughs> and they don't tell you that. So I'm snow, you know, I'm doing my little skis on my greens and I, oops, I'm on a blue. So I was going to, this is going to die. I'm going to die because I tried to <laughs> snow plow and I just kept going faster down the hill. <laughs> Yeah, my kids have definitely done that plenty of times, and we're screaming, make an S shape! An <laughs> serpentine, S -shape. serpentine. Yeah. <laughs> Turn! Uh, as someone who grew up in Alabama, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm so very sorry. We'll take you. No, I'm all right. you fall down the hill the first few times. No, I'll hold no. you up. <laughs> if, I, if I have to go around snow, it better be like with a Christmas tree and something hot <laughs> to drink in front of a fire with a, a big blanket. I'm yeah. just going to avoid snow really yeah. as much as I can. <laughs> I need the beach. When you can't avoid it, you should try to do things in it that are uh, that are fun. And for me, it's any anything I can go fast. How can I go fast? There you go. I have mad respect for you right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Is there anything you want to speak to the industry about? I think what would be so good to consider in the industry moving forward is, you know, always taking a step back and ensuring that you're transparent in your motives and consider not only what we think that the people want, but more importantly, what the animals need and how we can educate and convey that to our consumer base so that we can continue to gain more trust within the industry with customers and also veterinarians, because we want to always consider what's new and up and coming, but we always want to do it in the safest way possible. So that's what I would like to leave with today. <laughs> I love that. Very good. You've been listening to the Pet Industry Podcast, distributed by DSM Partners, LLC, and produced by Cliff Dubinois. 
Your podcast team is Whitney Russell, Steve Cawthron, and Megan Sprinkle. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Pet Industry Podcast.